1: Eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one. Well, our show last night, I think, was very, very important. It was used by a number of people as a template as they were trying to discuss events in Las Vegas, which, again, I think is very important. That is that we discuss this in some rational way. Now, I've got a couple of questions for you tonight. I'm very curious about your input here. Are there not events... Or let me put it in the positive. There are events we cannot control, are there not? Even when they occur... We can't stop them necessarily from happening again, can we? Was this one of those events? We spent two hours in last night's three-hour radio program discussing gun control. There wasn't a single proposal, not one, that would have had any relevance to what took place in Las Vegas or what takes place in most of these gun attacks if somebody wants to kill somebody. Now, as we also pointed out last night, there are 33,000 gun deaths, annual gun deaths, pretty much each year. 33,000. Two-thirds of them, or 22,000, are suicides. 22,000 Out of 33,000 are suicides. Of those 22,000 suicides, 85% are males. And of those 85%, more than half are men 45 years or older. Most of the remaining gun deaths are homicides, although not all. Some are accidents. More than half of the homicides, the actual homicides, are of young men killing young men. And of those young men who are killed, two-thirds of them are black. And of the black young men who are killed, they're mostly killed by other black young men. Do these statistics mean anything to you? These mass murders are horrific in every respect. They are horrific in every respect. In that they make up a, a tiny fraction of a fraction of the total of gun deaths in this country. By the way, as I say, that's no excuse. That's not a diversion. It's It's horrific. But what goes on in the country is that most, the overwhelming number of gun deaths each year are a result of suicide. Now, there's something I never heard of before. That doesn't mean that that I'm an expert on this. I'm not. Something called bump stocks. Bump stocks. Again, I never heard of them before, but there's a lot of things I never heard of before when it comes to guns and rifles and so forth. And now, given the fact that bump stocks create in semi-automatic rifles sort of a mimicking effect for automatic fire, and it certainly increases the ability to fire quickly, no question about that. Whether it's technically an automatic weapon or not is really of no consequence to most people. People are now talking about banning bump stocks. And I'd be interested to hear arguments about that from the experts and others. Banning bump stocks. Now, what about other devices? that a semi-automatic rifle can be made to shoot much more quickly, more like an automatic rifle, mimic an automatic rifle, as A.W. Hawkins, A.W. R. Hawkins, at Breitbart points out. <clears throat> if you ban bump stocks, boy, we're learning more about guns than most of you care, but this is something we need to discuss. There's something called uh, cranking devices. There are special triggers. There are other options, all of which can be purchased as accessories or many of which can be self-made as accessories to semi-automatic weapons. Remember, a semi-automatic weapon is a weapon where you actually have to pull the trigger for a round to be shot and a round to be loaded and shot. So they outlaw bump stocks, maybe they can outlaw or try to any device or all devices that might allow a semi-automatic rifle to mimic an automatic rifle. Will that stop evil people? Will that stop subhuman barbarians from making these devices or acquiring these devices? For developing other devices, they're developing no devices at all. Remember, this guy also had, at least in first reports, bomb-making chemicals and material in his car. Timothy McVeigh used fertilizer. There are things you can buy off the shelf if you learn how to do that. Do you know to create massive carnage? Things you can buy off the shelf, combined with everyday things, to create havoc. Where you can just get in your van and drive down a crowded sidewalk and kill as many people as you can. And we've seen that take place in Europe and so forth. Which brings me back to the question. I mean, there's some things we can do, right? But are we able to prevent or to pass laws with foresight to prevent mass murder? And I really doubt it. But I'm curious to know what you think. I know we'll get the answers, well, we can do a better job of this, this, but I'm I'm even thinking out loud. We had a gentleman call last night. I thought about this, too, you know. Take these soft targets, stadiums, concerts, shopping malls. I've always been nervous about shopping malls and stadiums. But take them, harden them up as best you can, whatever that means. You know, metal detectors and so forth. Hotels now are thinking of doing it, and some are. Well, that means the mall might be safer. The stadium might be safer. The hotel might be safer. But outside of the stadium and outside of the hotel and outside of the mall, those areas haven't been hardened, quote unquote. You can slaughter a whole lot of people. A gentleman called last night and he talked about something I've agreed with, especially since Newtown, that you have armed guards in our public schools. Whether they wear whether they're sort of undercover or not uh, that's not even the point the point is you have armed guard guards in these in these schools because right now there's so-called gun-free zones which means killers know that they can go in there pretty much and slaughter people little little kids and that's good that you would have a hardened situation with armed guards and so forth to prevent those mass murdering nut jobs but that doesn't make the buses safer the school buses and it doesn't make the bus stops any safer and it doesn't make the high school football fields and the high school auditoriums where basketballs played and so on that doesn't really make them much safer i can go on and on with examples they're endless they're endless I think it is a condition of of mankind to want solutions. And that's a good thing. It creates inventiveness. It creates new technologies. And that's a good thing. But if you're of a evil mind, you can be inventive too. You can create new technologies too. And I hear these politicians go on and on, and and it, it really frustrates me and very much troubles me, where they have these easy solutions, they want to put it in legislation, get it passed, have the president sign it, and then they'll feel good. And when that doesn't work, they'll do it again and again and again, just another piece of legislation, another piece after that, another piece after that, and so forth. Because it's what legislators do. They pass laws. They don't have any real answers. They pass laws. And they want you to believe that in passing laws... They're protecting you. I want you to keep in mind, these are the same members of Congress that passed a law that enabled Iran to get $150 billion, enabled Iran to build ICBMs, and will enable Iran to put nuclear warheads on those ICBMs in a decade. They're not making us safer. And as far as the left goes... Their relentless assault on law enforcement, their relentless assault on police officers, has undermined our safety. The nationalization of local police departments has undermined our safety. And they were on this big kick not that long ago, and Obama signed uh, an executive order to this effect, or maybe even legislation, that local police departments shouldn't have military-style weapons. Remember that? And yet, in many cases, they need them. Not to break down your door. But in cases like this, where you have a mass murderer who's shooting hundreds, if not thousands of rounds, and innocent people, more than 22,000 people. The left is usually wrong about everything, but certainly wrong and usually wrong When it comes to our security. The left is not for law and order. They never have been. How long did it take the left to condemn Antifa? Which is a violent. Marxist. Militia operation. How long did it take them? How long did it take reporters. To denounce Antifa? Most of them on MSNBC and CNN, were either silent or defended them. And they trashed the President of the United States, who was condemning all violence, whether from supremacists or Klansmen or neo-Nazis, or this Antifa group. And he was trashed week in and week out, yet he was right. He was trying to provide moral leadership to the country, speaking out against violence, and it wasn't good enough. It wasn't good enough. So let's say we outlaw this thing called the bump stock that I'd never heard of before. This device called the bump stock. And we outlaw cranking devices. And we outlaw special triggers. And we outlaw all other options. Do any of you honestly believe that this psychopath would have given up and said, You know what? They've outlawed so much stuff, there's really no reason for me to to slaughter as many people as I can. Do any of you out there really believe that? I don't believe it for a minute. I'm no special pleader for the bump stock. But I want to reiterate what I said last night. The more nonsense is argued, the more pretend solutions are proposed... Then the less the likelihood of actually knowing if there is in fact a solution or a group of solutions. And I'm saying tonight there may be no solutions. Certainly not easy solutions. Where they're going to throw some bill in the hopper written by some staffer and off we go. I'll be right back.
0: Mark Lupin.
1: I've pointed this out, but let me point it out again. Where are you safer, ladies and gentlemen, in a federal prison or at a gun show? Now, in prisons, federal, state, otherwise, it's clearly illegal to have any weapon of any kind, a shiv made out of a toothbrush, obviously a gun, a bump stock. A grenade launcher, whatever you can think of. A pea shooter, it's all illegal. These are banned materials, banned weapons. And yet, there's murder, assault, and rape that takes place in every prison in this country. Gun shows. There are guns everywhere. You have licensed federal dealers. There are guns everywhere. All kinds of guns. Foreign and domestic. Hundreds of thousands of rounds of ammunition. There are knives. Long knives. There are swords. There are tasers. Tell me, when is the last time... No, when is the first time you've heard any news report... ...about somebody being killed or maimed at a gun show? I don't know of any. And if there is one, there's one. But I don't know of any. So here we have prisons, which is the paradise when it comes to gun control, right? And then we have gun shows, which you would assume... ...would be the most dangerous place on the face of the earth. And yet it's the safest... I'll be right back. Mark, what A champion of freedom. You are the
2: greatest champion of freedom in this country, if not in the English-speaking world, Mark. Call Mark
3: at 877-381-3811. I believe
1: that's the vice president. We don't hear from the vice president anymore. I don't know. Maybe I've kind of... Um... Dare I mention something else? It's, it's first of all, it's too bad we have to get into this. Like I said last night, it's too bad. The left controls America's agenda. The left controls America's media. The left controls American entertainment, the movies, Hollywood, you name it. The left controls American education. They have all but devoured the civil society and the culture. And so we live in the left's Non-reality. And so when you raise issues of reality in response to their non-reality, as they paint pictures of a paradisiacal society, if only we would pass more laws, if only you would surrender more of your individualism and your freedom, there has to be some pushback. We have to address it. I will make a prediction to you and i'm not in the prediction business they can outlaw bump stocks they can outlaw special trigger mechanism they can outlaw whatever they want constitution aside there still will be mass murders in this country there still will be mass murders in this country not because of our gun laws but because there are evil people out there and some of them some of them act out in ways that are horrific you look at germany there was an evil man by the name of adolf hitler who took the country over and there are others and there are others now there are things that can be done To affirmatively save American lives. Even outside the issue of uh, guns. Even outside the issue of guns. And I've touched on this before. And that is our CAFE standards. Corporate average fuel economy standards. CAFE standards. They were put in place many decades ago when OPEC back then had a oil cartel, the Arabs, the oil producing Arab states. And they were limiting the amount of oil that was available to the United States in order to drive up the price. And some of you are too young to remember that. And we had even days and odd days, long lines, And so they came up with these corporate average fuel economy standards, CAFE standards. And these are regulations, and they get tighter and tighter and tighter to require automobile manufacturers to ensure that automobiles can get more and more miles per gallon of gasoline. And on his way out the door, Barack Obama did exactly that again, making impossible standards, impossible standards for vehicles. But it doesn't matter. There are ideologues on the left. Now, in my book, Liberty and Tyranny, I collected a number of studies that have been done about how these CAFE standards actually kill people. Because you have to make automobiles, vehicles, lighter and lighter and lighter in order to try and meet these government fiats, these government standards. And so the auto manufacturers have to use different materials than they otherwise would use. So there's very little steel in an automobile. More and more rubber, more and more plastic, more and more light metals. And as a result, automobile accidents create far more casualties and far more deaths. Perhaps tens of thousands a year. Because you know what's interesting, ladies and gentlemen? You may be able to find it on the internet or elsewhere. The government and these government offshoots really don't keep those statistics anymore. They used to. They used to make uh, calculations on how many people lost their lives as a result of the cafe standards. You don't see many of this, many of these uh, studies anymore. But since the passage of CAFE standards, it could easily be 70, 80, 100,000 people. Based on the earlier studies. One had it at 40,000, but again, many, many years ago. Now, Congress could repeal the CAFE standards. The president could sign that into law. And while you wouldn't save every life, the estimates are that you would save many lives as a result of repealing the CAFE standards. But they're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. Because when you're in an automobile accident, and when somebody dies in an automobile accident, the direct connection between the CAFE standards and the death is not made. It's an in-between step. Unlike a, a firearm. Which is a direct step. Yet in the end it's the same to the person who dies, isn't it? I know I'm not supposed to raise things like this, but I am raising them. I refuse to be in the left's unreality bubble. So Congress can ban away. It can ban bump stocks. It can ban specialized triggers. And any other device that can be imagined that would turn a semi-automatic weapon. And now at least we understand as a nation what a semi-automatic weapon means. Even the left is actually starting to use it accurately. As opposed to an automatic weapon. Now they can ban all these these devices, all these accessories. And I am telling you it will not prevent mass murders. It simply won't. And so we have to deal with these kinds of political decisions, politically motivated decisions, that come right on the heels of the mass murder. And I can assure you that the Democrats and others will be doing fundraising on this. And we'll be running advertisements on this. Because power is everything. Power is everything. The same Democrats who almost to a man and woman supported the nuclear deal with Iran, which expands nuclear weapons, and empowers a regime like Iran to get nuclear weapons. Want to ban pump stocks. Pump stocks. Ladies and gentlemen, if we could prevent Iran from getting nuclear missiles and North Korea, we could force them to surrender their nuclear missiles in exchange for pump stocks. Would you do that? In exchange for as many pump stocks as they want. Yeah, I think I'd do that too. I think I'd do that too. So the question on the table is, are there not occasions or situations where there are not solutions? There's simply not solutions. Now, for a particular facility, you can try and protect it. For a particular event, of course, you want to try and protect it. Your own family, yourself, you want to protect yourself and your own family. Of course, you want to protect the president, members of the country. Of course, of course, of course. Yes, I get it. But we're not going to stop mass murders. No, maybe we'll stop one here, one there. But we're not going to stop, the, even though they're infrequent, the occasion of a mass murder. And those who want to pass laws and claim that they will, when we know they won't, are not more compassionate than you or me. When we saw what took place in Las Vegas, all of us, we were shocked, upset, deeply saddened, furious, all the emotions that you can imagine. All the emotions you can imagine. All right, let's take some calls here. Evan. Temecula, California on the Mark Levin app. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. Thank you for taking my call. Honestly, I don't even know why we're having this conversation. We know the government isn't about protecting citizens. They want to take our guns. They want to chisel away at our rights, property rights. Our best interest is not their best interest.
1: Well, and I'd like to know how the hell they would protect us.
0: Everything he did was illegal.
1: Yeah, especially killing people. Uh,
0: exactly. It's,
1: we I mean, if know. you're, if, if you're on a suicide mission, right? If you're a kamikaze in one form or another, like the kamikazes during World War II, you can try and stop them. Of course you want to try and stop them, but ultimately they're going to do enormous amount of damage, aren't they?
4: All laws do
3: is corral citizens.
1: Oh, well, this is a, a, well, some laws don't corral citizens. But uh, some laws actually protect citizens, protect our property rights, protect our freedom, and so forth. Uh, but I get your point. Thank you for your call. Brad, Leesburg, Virginia, the Great W M A L, go.
5: Hey, Mark. Uh, just a historical fact. Uh, look back in the uh, back in the Stone Age, when uh, the cavemen used to put slingshots together, they'd put a sling, and what they would put into the sling would be a rock. Okay. And then they would go out and hunt, and for antelope or whatever they could do to to survive to eat, and uh, they would go out and, and and try to feed their family. But what they would do is they'd use that slingshot, and that rock would kill that antelope. Now, if you look back in a historical um, way, let's let's just say that can we blame it on the rock? Can we blame it on the stone? It was evil. That that. That, that we did as a hunter, I mean, if we look back in the future and look back the way we are talking today, it's the equivalent of blaming the stone versus the gun. All
1: back. right, sir. Thank you for your call. We'll be right back.
5: Mark Levin.
1: I suspect they will outlaw bump stocks and other devices of that sort. Uh, Members of Congress will vote in a bipartisan way. The president will sign it. Everybody will feel great, and it won't matter one iota. Now, if you travel for business, you know it's a game of wins and losses, right? Popping open an overhead bin and finding it empty, that's a big win. Sleeping through a wake-up call, that's a big loss. Buying your business trip at Upside.com, well, let me tell you something. That's not just a win. It's a triple win. Now, with the amazing six-star treatment, and you'll get six-star treatment from Upside's customer service specialist, they call them navigators. And one recent Upside customer was called away for an emergency meeting and had to miss his wife's birthday. So an Upside Navigator sent her flowers to try and help ease the disappointment. This is what they're all about. It's almost like a concierge service, if I may use my own parallel. Upside Navigators are instantly accessible 24-7 by voice, chat, or email, or message on the Upside app. Even reaching out to you with useful information to help you avoid a problem before it happens. And I'm going to start your Upside six-star treatment right now. Go to Upside.com, Upside.com. Use my code, Mark. It's that simple. And you'll get a minimum $100 gift card to Amazon.com. So in addition of getting this six-star service, of saving a lot of money in your business, and Upside trying to find you exactly what you want, the most comfortable, efficient, cost uh, you know, sensible-type travel, you can win. You can earn a $100 gift card to Amazon. And again, we want to start you off with that. So that's code mark. Code mark for a minimum $100 gift card to Amazon.com when you buy your next business trip at Upside.com. It's Upside.com. You deserve a better business trip. Minimum purchase required. See their site for complete details. That's Upside.com. Code mark. So if you're involved in any way in business travel, I don't know how many of you are. I want you really to check this out. Make sure you use my code mark and get their wonderful, wonderful care and get that Amazon card. All right. Let's continue. Let's take a call. Why don't we do that? Let's go to Brex in Wortham, Texas, the great WBAP. Go. Hey, how are you doing?
2: Uh, All right. I know with the military, uh, just what I've seen. Whenever they have a large outside gathering, they have what's known as the archangels, and these are guys that are stationed, posted as snipers at different locations. Why can't they, whenever they have an outside gathering like that of say, I don't know, 10,000 people, something like that, get with a local SWAT team? I know the Texas Rangers has a sniper. You know, why couldn't they set up?
1: Something like well, that. Well, maybe they could, and I don't have a problem with it. Now, tell me, if some guy drives up like Timothy McVeigh in, in a big truck or a van, loaded with fertilizer and sets that off, the snipers are going to have a hell of a time.
2: Right, but, I mean, it's something
1: like this. Somebody flies a drone, and this is becoming a big concern now, into open area stadiums and so forth that have uh, significant uh, firepower. Sir, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying that these evil people, they have their ways, don't they?
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you can't stop
1: them. You can't stop them. But maybe, you know, if something... So if we, if we had happened to have the snipers you talk about, and they have happened to figure out where this guy was, and maybe they could have saved a number of lives, that would have had no effect on Newtown. No. snipers wouldn't have mattered, because that kid killed his mother, stole her legally owned rifles went into that school, and murdered those kids.
2: Well, I'm talking about like a, a large gathering. I know Austin is supposed to have one, and they're giving refunds for people that aren't comfortable. I know I would feel more comfortable if I knew that, hey, there are guys that are watching around that are
1: supposed to be there with rifles, watching out for me. I, 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 don't, I don't disagree with you, but you talk about snipers, and that may have worked in this instance, but snipers may not work in most instances. It may not. I mean, I mean, snipers in your case would work because they're looking at the 32nd floor. They find the guy up in the window and they try and pop him. But as far as I know, this is the first case where some guy's on the 32nd floor of a hotel shooting down into a country.
2: I mean, you know, but that would be an idea that would give a. If you're going to be in an area like that where you got high rises all around you. That might give a peace of mind for the people that are going to be down on the ground floor.
1: All right, sir. I appreciate your call very much. I do. I appreciate hearing the ideas. And if you're intending on being a mass murderer and you're intending to kill yourself in the end or be killed and you know there are snipers there, you're going to figure out some other way. I'm not against any of these ideas with the snipers and and metal detectors and so I'm just saying they're not going to stop mass murders they're just not I'll be right back 833 ring BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code Levin. That's brickhouse, L-E-V-I-N dot com or call 833 ring B-H-N promo code Levin. A lot of people have been talking about it, and I would like to read portions of it to you. An individual by the name of Leah Labresco, who, uh, who works for an organization called 538. Now this group 538 was formed, uh, by a gentleman who used to work at the uh, New York Times, and he's sort of the statistician. And he's been decent in the past, not perfect, in his polling. For elections. Uh, not perfect in this last election, like most pollsters, for sure. Nate Silver, or Nate Silver, I Min, mean, I believe his name is. But none of that matters. She's she a statistician, and she's a former news writer at 538, a data journalism site. And here's what she wrote yesterday, and it actually appeared in the New York, in the, excuse me, Washington Post. She said, before I started researching gun deaths, Gun control policy used to frustrate me. I wished the National Rifle Association would stop blocking common sense gun control reforms, such as banning assault weapons, restricting silencers, shrinking magazine sizes, and all the other measures that could make guns less deadly. Then my colleagues and I, at 538, spent three months analyzing all 33,000 lives ended by guns each year in the United States. And I wound up frustrated in a whole new way. We looked at what interventions might have saved these people and the case for the policies I'd lobbied for crumbled when I examined the evidence. The best ideas left standing were narrowly tailored interventions to protect subtypes of potential victims, not broad attempts to limit the lethality of guns. I researched these strictly tightened gun laws in Britain and Australia and concluded they didn't prove much about America's what America's policy should be Neither nation experienced drops in mass shootings or other gun-related crime that could be attributed to their buybacks and bans. Mass shootings were too rare in Australia for their absence after the buyback program to be clear evidence of progress. And in both Australia and Britain, the gun restrictions had an ambiguous effect on other gun-related crimes or deaths. Now, when I looked at the other oft-praised policies, I found out that no gun owner walks into a store to buy an assault weapon, quote-unquote. It's an invented classification. How many times have we talked about this? It's an invented classification that includes any semi-automatic that has two or more features, such as a bayonet mount, a rocket-propelled grenade launcher mount, a folding stock, or a pistol grip. But guns are modular, and any hobbyist can easily add these features at home, just as if they were snapping together Legos. As for silencers, they deserve that name only in movies where they reduce gunfire to a soft poop-poop. In real life, silencers limit hearing damage for shooters, but don't make gunfire dangerously quiet. An AR-15 with a silencer is about as loud as a jackhammer. Magazine limits were a little more promising, but a practice shooter could still change magazines so fast as to make the limit meaningless. Now, as my coworkers and I kept looking at the data, It seemed less and less clear that one broad gun control restriction could make a big difference. Two-thirds of gun deaths in the United States every year are suicides. Almost no proposed restriction would make it meaningful harder for people with guns on hand to use them. I couldn't even answer my most desperate question. If I had a friend who had guns in his home and a history of suicide attempts, was there anything I could do to help? No. The next largest set of gun deaths, one in five, were young men aged 15 to 35 years of age killed in homicides. These men were mostly killed, excuse me, were most likely to die at the hands of other young men, often related to gang loyalties or other street violence. And the last notable group of similar deaths was the 1700 women murdered per year, usually as the result of domestic violence. Far more people were killed in these ways than in mass shooting incidents, but few of the popularly floated policies were tailored to serve them. By the time we published our project, I didn't believe in many of the interventions I'd heard politicians tout. I was still anti-gun, at least from the point of view of most gun owners, and I don't want a gun in my home, as I think the risk outweighs the benefits. But I cannot endorse policies whose only selling point is that gun owners hate them. Policies that often seem as if they were drafted by people who have encountered guns only as a figure in a briefing book, or an image on the news. Instead, I found the most hope in more narrowly tailored interventions. Potential suicide victims, women menaced by their abusive partners, and kids swept up in street vendettas are all in danger from guns. But they each require different protections. Older men, who make up the larger share of gun suicides, need better access to people who could care for them and get them help. Women endangered by specific men need to be prioritized by police. You can enforce restraining owners, prohibiting these men from buying and owning guns. Younger men at risk of violence need to be identified before they take a life or lose theirs, and to be connected to mentors who can help them de-escalate conflicts. Even the most data-driven practices, such as New Orleans' plan to identify gang members for intervention based, uh, for intervention based on previous arrests and weapon seizures, wind up more personal than most policies floated. We save lives by focusing on a range of tactics to protect the different kinds of potential victims and reforming potential killers, not from sweeping bans focused on guns themselves. Now, the reason why this article is being touted today, the reason why it's in certain media outlets today, is because here you have an individual who has spent most of her adult life supporting the various interventions that she has heard promoted by politicians. More background checks, more bans, you know, more this, more that. And she studied the 33 murders. I shouldn't say murders, since two-thirds of them are suicides. The 33 gun-related killings. 33,000. And these are the factual findings. Now, what we have here are the deniers on the left. The deniers on the left who deny facts, who deny evidence, who deny knowledge in pursuit of their ideology. And you're going to see Republicans joining them because Republicans are gutless. Whether it's the repeal of Obamacare, whether it's sealing the border, whether it's supporting our Constitution, whatever it is, they can be counted on in being progressives, progressive lights. But this individual had her eyes wide open as she was looking at this issue, hoping beyond hope that her own views would be reinforced by the evidence. Instead, her own views were eviscerated by the evidence. Eviscerated. President of the United States, as you know, was in Las Vegas today. And spoke beautifully again. We're not going to play at all but we will play some of it. Cut to, Mr. Producer, go.
6: On behalf of the Grateful Nation, Melania and I thank each and every one of you in law enforcement. In the depths of horror, we will always find hope in the men and women who risk their lives for ours. The mass murder that took place on Sunday night fills America's heart with grief. America is truly a nation in mourning. I visited the hospital earlier today, where many victims are still recovering from their wounds. And we ask God to ease their suffering and to speed their healing. We pray for the recovery of the injured and those injured officers who so bravely threw themselves into danger when duty called. And we grieve the loss of the law enforcement Personnel who were killed in this vicious
1: attack. Cut three.
6: We struggle for the words to explain to our children how such evil can exist, how there can be such cruelty and such suffering. But we cannot be defined by the evil that threatens us or the violence that incites such terror. We're defined by our love, our caring and our courage. In the darkest moments, what shines most brightly is the goodness that thrives in the hearts of our people. That goodness is our lighthouse, and our solace is knowledge that the souls of those who passed are now at peace in heaven. Here on Earth, we are blessed to be surrounded by heroes, As one eyewitness recounted this week, while everyone else was crouching, police officers were standing up as targets, just trying to direct people and tell them where to go. The officers were standing up in the line of fire to help those in danger and to find out where those horrible shots were coming from. Cut four. Words cannot describe the bravery that the whole world witnessed on Sunday night Americans defied death and hatred with love and with courage. When the word and the worst of humanity strikes, and strike it did, the best of humanity responds. Parents and spouses used their own bodies as shields to protect their loved ones. Americans dashed into a hail of bullets to rescue total strangers.
1: That's so true. It's so true. Finally, cut five. The
6: example of those whose final act was to sacrifice themselves for those they loved should inspire all of us to show more love every day for the people who grace our lives. In the months ahead, we will all have to wrestle with the horror of what has unfolded this week, but we will struggle through it together. We will endure the pain together, and we will overcome together as Americans. May God bless and watch over those who protect us, May God bring healing to the families of the wounded, the injured, and the fallen. And may God bless our great country.
1: And you know what's interesting to me, ladies and gentlemen, as I listen to these beautiful words by the President of the United States? The voices that have been smearing and trashing These very brave police officers, who did so much to save so many the other night, and do it every night and every day, are silent. They're silent. Kaepernick, who took his first knee, trashing police officers, silent. the broadcasters on TV and their surrogates, their guests, silent. They don't praise the police. They don't thank the police. They don't speak of the heroism and courage of the police. They're silent. As they wait another day, or is it another week, is it another month to pounce, to trash them? And I predict, just as day comes after night and night comes after day, just as there will, unfortunately, grievously, be another mass killing one day. The liberals will be out in full force, trashing the police. It's just a matter of time. I'll be right back. Much love, The Mandalay Bay and Unarmed an Security Guard. He's an unsung hero, but after I speak tonight, he should be considered a hero. Worth praising. It's a piece in the Daily Beast by Justin Glaw. Unarmed security guard took on Las Vegas killer Stephen Paddock. Jesus Campos is his name. He found the mass murderer's location. He drew his fire away from concertgoers before the cops or SWAT arrived. Jesus Campos had no firearm when he found Stephen Paddock and approached his room on the 32nd floor of Mandalay Bay on Sunday night. Paddock, who had rigged cameras in the hallway and on the peephole of the door, saw Campos coming, and he fired through the door, hitting him in the leg, said David Hickey, president of the International Union Security, Police, and Fire Professionals of America. Now, the union represents Campos and hundreds of security guards at the Mandalay Bay. When Campos was hit, he radioed casino dispatch and told him his location and paddocks. We received information via their dispatch center that helped us locate where this individual was sequestered, Clark County Sheriff Joseph Lombardo told reporters yesterday. Now, police officers who subsequently approached the room received gunfire and backed off until SWAT responded, Lombardo said. We would not have engaged this individual in the time-lapse we did without their assistance, he would later add. Paddock had somehow blocked stairwell doors leading to the hallway outside his room, Hickey said, meaning Campos had to take the elevator on his quest to find the source of the gunfire that was killing dozens below. The door to the room itself was also barricaded, Campos found out when he tried to open it, just before the bullets came through the door. About an hour after Paddock quit firing, a SWAT team gained entry to the suite by blowing the doors off with explosives. Paddock was found dead inside from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. But without Campos's action, the mass murderer's rampage that killed 59 people could have killed even more. Hickey lauded Campos' bravery this afternoon. He said, I think we need to recognize the position of these officers hold. Security professionals in those kind of venues, whether it's a bank or a hotel or Disney World, I'm telling you that I don't think our officers are recognized enough for the valuable role that they play in protecting property, people, and even the nation. Campus was struck in the right leg where the bullet remains, Hickey said, and will be removed by surgery at a later date. Campus was well enough to try to leave the hospital not long after the shooting, but was kept there by staff and police who wanted to monitor his injury and interview him about his ordeal. We just want to make sure that Mr. Campos and all of our officers are recognized for what they do every day, which is protect people, Hickey said. On any given shift, 17 of 200 officers at the hotel complex are armed, Hickey said. Campos likely just had a nightstick. Useless against a man who had a military-grade arsenal at his disposal. Well, Jesus Campos is a hero. And it's very, very important that he, uh, he, he and what he did has been brought to light. And there are many, many, many heroes, some of whom were killed. American citizens, protecting family members, protecting strangers. And we spent a lot of time on this last night on Levin TV, if you want to go back and check the episode. Because I felt then as I feel now. These are our fellow citizens while we are being pushed into a debate on gun control and so forth we cannot lose focus on what we're talking about here the treachery that took place and the beautiful human lives that were extinguished and people are still struggling for their lives right now in these hospitals in Las Vegas I'll be right back
4: Unapologetic Patriot and Unapologetic Constitutionalist. You can reach him at 877
1: 381 3811. All right, there is some breaking news from NBC, ladies and gentlemen. Investigators looking for mystery woman seen with Vegas Shooter, writes Pete Williams. Investigators are trying to identify a mystery woman seen with Stephen Paddock. In the days before the Las Vegas massacre, several law enforcement officials told NBC News. They don't know if she has any connection to the attack, but they would like to speak with her as they build a timeline of Paddock's last days, the officials said. Paddock's longtime girlfriend, Mary Lou Danley, was not in Las Vegas when he turned a room at the uh, you know Mandalay Bay Hotel into a sniper's nest and murdered uh, 58 people attending an outdoor music festival. Her sisters have said that uh, he sent her to the Philippines. She has been interrogated for about five and a half, six hours. Her lawyer has made a public statement, says she didn't know a thing, and that she was very troubled by this. She'd been in love with him and and so forth. Uh, we'll see how that pans out over time. Um, but they are looking for another woman, apparently. Um, again, they don't know if she has any connection, but they're putting together this timeline, as you would expect. And they do not have any answers right now. Alright. Where am I, Mr. Producer? Oh, yes. You know, protecting your family is your number one responsibility. Simply Safe Home Security is a ga- great way to do exactly that. Now, years back, Simply Safe's founder is in grad school at Harvard when his friends start getting robbed in Boston. They came to him and they said, look, we can't buy a security system. They have to be hardwired. We don't own our houses. There's a three year contract. Home security is very expensive and so forth and so on. So he thinks, okay, there's gotta be a better way. So he invents something, invents something for them. He invents Simply Safe. Simply Safe is a totally wireless security system. It's top shelf, complete security with 24-7 alarm monitoring and police dispatch. And with Simply Safe, there are no contracts or hidden fees. You're never locked to the company. Simply Safe's popularity has soared since then. They're protecting 2 million people now, including many of you, but not all of you. You need to check out Simply Safe. You'll get 10% off at simplysafemark.com. That's simplysafemark.com. If you want your home protected sooner, like tonight, you can go to Best Buy. But I would encourage you, go to simplysafemark.com. That's 10% off your home security system. SimplysafeMark.com. That's simplysafemark.com. Yes, I do have it, and I love it. Matter of fact, it's a lot of fun to install. My son installed it. And um, you actually feel like you've accomplished a lot, too. And trust me, you have. And you don't need a drill. You don't have to, you know, drill holes in the wall. You don't have to have strangers in your house setting it up. You set it up. Be done within 20 minutes. 20 minutes. That's all it takes. Let's take some calls. We do have some other subjects that I want to address uh, in the course of the program. Tony, Houston, Texas. The great KTRH. Yes, sir. Go.
5: Hi, Mark. Thanks for taking my call. Just a quick point, if it hasn't been made already. The only thing that I... They could be effective uh, to stop this. is something we can't legislate, and that is the element of surprise. What I mean by that is the criminal who's going to perpetrate these mass crimes is the only one that knows the who, the where, the how, the uh, the when. Whether they're going to use a gun, a U-Haul truck, okay, a bomb. Okay, got it. Right. So the unfortunate thing is we can only react to it.
1: Oh, oh, okay. So so the killer or the would-be killer has the element of surprise, not us.
5: That, that's correct, and and it's unfortunate to hear that we're going to... I mean, it really gets down to the argument you always make, is perhaps the only thing that could even be somewhat effective of that is maybe, a, what, 100% surveillance of everything American citizens do to try to, 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 to figure this out
1: before a purpose. And, Tony, in that regard, let me ask you a question. Is there a city in America that has more surveillance than Las Vegas?
5: Probably not, Mark.
1: Are there hotels anywhere in America that have more surveillance than hotels in Las Vegas?
3: Yep, point
1: made. So even the surveillance isn't enough, or certainly wasn't enough in this case. All right, Tony, my friend, I appreciate your call very much. Let's go to Michael, Farmington, Connecticut, on the Mark Levin app. Go.
4: Yes, sir, Mark. Uh, There's one way. It's called leaving the laws alone the way they are. Look, how can you predict emotions of a person coming home, losing his job and not talking about it? You can't. It happened in the most surveilled place, the hotels have cameras all over, and the guy still did it. We don't know how he did it, or who was involved, or what else is going on, but it just shows America, no matter what gun laws you put on the place, the person who wants to kill, they're going to kill. Look at Europe. I mean, look at the war zone. I served in the military. I know what it's like. If they don't want a gun, they're going to use a bomb. They're going to grab a U-Haul truck. How do you do it? You can't predict emotions. You can't do it.
1: And yet, and yet politicians play off emotions. I mean, this, this catastrophe, this horrific mass murder takes place, and they go right to it, immediately. And they're, uh, and they're surrogates. Uh, these night, nighttime show hosts, these late night, uh, phony comedians now, they're, You know, uh, we never know when Jimmy Kimmel's taking his directions now from Chuck Schumer or somebody, or uh, we know Colbert is a leftist and a long-time Democrat, and it goes on and on and on. All night long, they're pushing this agenda. And quite frankly, they're ignoramuses. They don't even know what they're pushing. They don't even know what this is all about.
4: They don't. And you know what this feels like? 1861, pre-Civil War, because you know what? The politicians (laughs) and the celebrities aren't helping anything. They're making it worse. Country divided is a country that falls.
1: Yeah, but keep something in mind. This mass killer, it's nothing to do with civil war. I mean, he, he was just slaughtering people, uh, left and right, regardless of who they were, what they believed, and so forth and so on. All right, Michael, appreciate your call, my friend. Let's keep rolling. Mike, Dearborn, Michigan, on the Mark Levin app. Go. Hey, Mark.
0: Um,
4: we can never stop all evil, like you said earlier. And the, the point that your call screener caught on to was this, uh, Something I had made was, a uh, point I had made was uh, that laws are for lawbreakers. I mean, if I'm functioning in a civil society and I'm not bothering anybody and just conducting my life in a civil way. And, and,
1: uh, and your point being like an instant like this, you know not to climb to the 32nd floor, build a, a, a killer's nest, uh, you know, booby trap it, have cameras around, have all these weapons, these powerful weapons, and to slaughter people. Personally, you don't need you don't you and I don't need laws to tell us not to do that. Yeah, I
4: don't need the police when I'm uh being civil in a civil society. I mean,
1: well you may need them because somebody else might uh might not be civil in a civil society. But I take your other point, which is these these rules that they want to keep coming up with. Um you know, most, the vast majority of Americans who are law abiding, whether they're driving cars or whether they own weapons or whatever they're doing, whether they're handling somebody else's money, really don't need laws to tell them to be ethical. And that's a good point. All right, Mike, we appreciate your call. And yet we still do need laws. There's no question about that. We're not anarchists. Lamar, Knoxville, Tennessee, Sirius Satellite, go.
0: Hey, I just wanted to make the point that, you know, you just mentioned Jimmy Kimmel and these guys.
7: You know, they love to
0: exploit these tragedies. And as sad as they are, you know, if you take 60 people that were killed, that's terrible, and I don't ever want to minimize that. But when you compare that to what we know why the founders gave us the Second Amendment, which is because governments are the most dangerous threat to the individual, you know, we can just look back at last century that a couple hundred million people, were disarmed and killed by their own government. But
1: here's the thing, Lamar. Many, 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 many people don't believe what you're saying. Well, you know... Hold on now, I want to explain this. And they don't believe what you're saying and won't believe what you're saying until it might be too late.
0: Well, that's true, and that's why we have to have a foundation to fall back on and say, I'm not going to be manipulated by the TV as tragic as these scenes are, and they pull on our heartstrings, and, and try to convince us. That, and, you know, and,
1: and furthermore, most people don't have guns because they fear the government either. People have guns well, because they want them, and isn't that enough?
0: No, because uh, that 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 might be why they have them, but that's not why they have the right. You know, so the founders knew what they were doing when they when they enshrined that right. In an in indisputable way, written down in the Constitution, in the Bill of Rights, in a, in, a, in a manner that, you know, can't be taken away. So if somebody wants to take that away, my first question is, you know, I had somebody ask me last night, do you still, you know, think that people should be allowed to have assault rifles? And I said, well, did the Constitution change? You
1: know, and, and let's say... Well, it, your first comment should have been there's no such thing as an assault rifle. An assault is an action. It's not a weapon.
0: But, you know, so let's say it did change. Let's say the states you know ratified a change. Well then I would say, has God taken away my, my God given right to defend myself? So now I have to live under the law of the jungle if I can't physically overcome somebody.
1: Well here here's here's what you really need to understand if you're gonna cite the Constitution. The first ten amendments apply to the federal government. Are you aware of that? Yes, yes. It's... In the incorporation doctrine, the Supreme Court increasingly incorporated the court, not the Constitution. Uh, the amendments are aspect of the amendments to the states. Are you aware of that?
0: Uh, yeah,
1: yeah, I understand. All right, so no, a lot of people don't understand. That is the Second Amendment, as originally written, passed by the first Congress and ratified by the states. I'm just giving you a historical fact. It It is an amendment to protect the citizen and the states from the federal government. And so the states, at least originally, had the power to regulate weapons willy-nilly. But states didn't regulate weapons willy-nilly. It was the states that, in many respects, protected themselves under the militia part of the clause and protected their citizens in the states under the Second Amendment. So it's important to understand the actual history behind the Second Amendment. All right, Lamar, I appreciate your call, sir. We'll be right back. love, Ben. In trouble for mentioning this, I'm going to get in trouble for saying what I'm about to say, especially from my wife. These threats of using guns, this is a very serious matter to me. It's a very, very serious matter in my life. Just because I get behind a microphone. Or a television camera when I do live in TV. I attract some very dangerous people. Who threaten my life. One in particular right now. And I'm not gonna go any further. So when I talk about these issues, I'm not talking about them in an academic fashion or a theoretical fashion. This is no joke. And it's no joke to you either. You can be walking down the street and just some nut tries to rob you and God knows what could happen. God knows what could happen. So we try to figure these things out. And for me, I embrace first principles. I look at everything that's being proposed, whether it's constitutional, and then beyond that, whether or not it makes any sense. Whether or not it makes any sense. The vast majority of murders in this country are suicides. And the vast majority of homicides occur with pistols, handguns. Not automatic weapons. Not semi-automatic weapons that are modified to seem like automatic weapons. Handguns. Handguns. I shouldn't go any further, but, you know, when I go to book signings, and I love to go to book signings because I want to meet as many of you as possible. These are serious events, very serious. Or when I go to speak somewhere, and by the way, I'm not doing this, say, look at me, look at me. I'm doing this to bring some, you know, because we're like family here, right? You Levinites in the audience. We're very, very close. We're a very special breed. And uh, I'm just communicating with you what, what takes place. So, you never know what can happen. And no law is going to stop a nut job. But detectives might. Police officers, prosecutors, they might, and they might, and they have, and they have. Because in the end, murder is illegal, and that's what we're trying to stop. That's the bottom line. Have you ever thought of Hillsdale College in terms of impacting K-12 through education? Well, they are. And they're improving young lives in the process. Hillsdale has founded more than a dozen charter schools nationwide with more opening every year. They provide curricula, train their faculty, and offer support and advice. And get this, Hillsdale doesn't take a penny for these services. They do it for free. It's called the Barney Charter School Initiative, and it's funded entirely by donors. Now, you know that a Hillsdale College education produces graduates who are cut above the rest. And they are young adults of character who know how to be good citizens. Now, those same teaching methods and principles are being used for primary education also. Learn more about this important work. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for for Hillsdale.com. A video there shows you how Hillsdale is building character in children all across the country, teaching these young people how to live full and flourishing human lives. Hillsdale does all of this without taking one penny of government money. Not one penny. Not one penny from the schools either. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com. L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Now, yesterday I spent some time in Hour 3 talking about this Iran deal and how I felt the President must decertify, and then after he decertifies, he must abrogate the phony deal. That is, drop it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I have an update on this, and this matters to you, and it matters to me. Because this is more than bump stocks. It's more than bump stocks. This is a hostile enemy regime ideologically committed to destroying our country, to wiping out our country with nuclear warheads. It's not to be ignored. Don't think I'm overstating it. This is what they believe. This is what they will try to do. And so it's very, very important that what's coming up on October 15th. And I'm afraid the administration is going wobbly. And we'll want to talk about that in the next hour. I think you're going to want to know about this. I would trade bump stocks for nuclear warheads any day of the week. What say you? Doug, Trenton, New Jersey, the great WABC retired police officer. How are you? By the way, Doug, you know what we used to call police officers when I was growing up? Yeah. Peace officers. Oh no kidding. Yeah, nobody does it anymore.
2: Oh well. Wow. Hey, my All mother's right. a retired cop and NRA member. I think we used to focus on shut down the illegal border crossing in Mexico, the drugs and the guns. Mm-hmm.
1: The black markets.
2: Yeah, pretty much. You said before you're right on point that outlaw this trigger and that trigger sometimes bad things happen.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, they can outlaw all the bump stocks. I never heard of bump stocks before, but then again, I don't pretend to be an expert. Bump stocks and special triggers and they can outlaw all that stuff all they want. It's just not going to make a difference. But it's a good, good uh, point that you make, Doug. And I appreciate your call and I appreciate your service and your father's service. All right, folks. We got a big blockbuster hour. Don't go away. I shall return. Before we get to the issue of decertification of the Iran deal, Michelle Obama was at a Pennsylvania conference for women yesterday. And I was so appalled and I'm so disgusted with her racist comments, and they are, that I needed to play this for you. Because she's held up as is this iconic figure she's not an iconic figure cut nine go
7: usually at the state of the union address when you're in the room what you can see is this real dichotomy that on one side of the room it's, it's also it's a feeling of color almost on one side of the room it's literally gray and white literally that's the color palette on one side of the room
1: Now, on, now, now she's talking about human beings She's talking about the members of Congress during the State of the Union. So on the one side of the room, you have white people with gray hair. White and gray. That's the color palette. Who talks like this? Who even thinks like this? She doesn't see human beings. She doesn't see individuals. Individuals with their own lives, their own accomplishments, their own families. This is just an appalling, appalling way to think. It's an appalling mindset. And she just blurts it out there like it's completely acceptable because it is to the left. So, on the one side of the room, you literally, literally see gray and white. Literally, that is the color palette on one side of the room. Go ahead.
7: There's yellows and blues and whites and greens. Physically, there's a difference in color, in the tone. Wow. Because one side, all men, all white. On the other side, some women, some people of color. And whenever I was sitting, I would always have a guest in that booth. Mm -hmm. And I was always the most embarrassed at the beginning when people would see that. Because I'd say that, is it just me? Am I looking at how governance works? And people look down at that and go, yeah, yeah, that looks good. That looks right. (laughs) We're probably getting a lot done. We're doing it right. You know, I look at that and I go, no wonder. No wonder we struggle. No wonder people don't trust politics. It's It's not, we're not even noticing what these rooms look like.
1: Guess it's incredible. It's incredible. Don't we miss the Margaret Thatchers of the world? Real leaders, real leaders. A woman, a real leader. History has had real leaders who are women. Golda in My Ears, another. This Michelle Obama, her comments, where she looks out at members of Congress and she sees color, or the lack of color in her view. She's no wonder we struggle, no wonder we don't get along, no wonder people don't trust us. The perpetuation of this kind of hate and division is part of the problem we have in this country. It's a big part of the problem we have in this country. And she's part of it. You're not allowed to say it. Oh, no, 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 no. She could win the presidency and she dresses so beautifully and has such magnificent ideas and she's so articulate. I'm sorry. Count me out. Count me out. Colorblind society. That's what the civil rights movement was all about. I know it because I i know what Martin Luther King had to say. A colorblind society. And yet all Michelle Obama and the radical left see is color. Color. And some on the radical left are promoting the resegregationist of society. I'm not even talking about the white supremacists. Of course they are. No, I'm talking about radical leftists. The derogatory phrases and terms they use when they talk about race. It's just incredible to me. All right, it's the final hour of the show. i got to move on to some other issues. Do you know who General Joseph Dunford is? Do you know who General Joseph, Joseph Dunford is? He's the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Now, I laid out for you in some detail yesterday, as have others, the material breaches of the Iran deal by Iran. And you have to be Helen Keller not to see this. And for some reason, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff is Helen Keller. At least in this regard. Cut 13, go.
2: Uh, Senator, the, uh, the the agreement right now, um, what, what I testified to last week, was that Iran is not in material breach of the agreement. And I do believe the agreement to date has delayed uh, the development of a nuclear capability by Iran.
1: Now, he doesn't head the CIA. He doesn't head the NSA. He's the head of the Joint Chiefs, not the head of the intelligence agencies. He's not the director of national intelligence, the D. But he believes that Iran's not a material breach, and yet the evidence is overwhelming. It's tangible. It's indisputable. So why would he be spewing this propaganda to a Senate committee? I'll tell you why in a minute. Then there's James Mattis, former four-star, the Secretary of Defense. He's at a hearing yesterday. Maybe the same hearing for that matter. And he's asked a question by a man who is named after cattle, Angus King. Cut 14, go.
2: Do you believe it's in our national security interest at the present time to remain in the JCPOA?
3: That's a yes or no question.
1: So the JCPOA is the Iran deal. Go ahead.
3: Yes, Senator, I do. The point I would make is if we can confirm that Iran is living by the agreement... If we can determine that this is in our best interest, then clearly we should stay with it. I believe at this point in time, absent indications to the contrary, it is something the president should consider staying with. It's still under consideration uh, in the executive branch, and and a decision has not been made.
1: I'll tell you something that strikes me, ladies and gentlemen. These men are generals in the report to the civilian president of the United States. I know in the case of Mattis, he's a retired general, but they're supposed to know the hierarchy, the line of command. President of the United States is commander-in-chief. James Mattis admits that the president hasn't made a decision yet, that it's under consideration, but he tells Congress, in this case he tells the Senate committee, Angus King in particular, yeah, I think we should live under it. I've never seen anything so outrageous. And same with the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. I've never seen anything so outrageous. He denies material breaches by Iran. He's dissembling. I hate to say it, he's dissembling. And James Mattis should know better. And of course, Tillerson. The Secretary of State. the state of confusion over there. Did you call the President a moron? That's the report by NBC News. His response is not unequivocally no. Did you threaten to resign? His response is unequivocally no. This guy is a disaster. Across the board disaster, Tillerson. Mr. ExxonMobil. But what Dunford, Mattis, what are they up to? Well, we turn to the left-wing news outlet Politico. Unfortunately, a lot of members of this administration and Republicans in Congress leak to political. I know it's odd, but it's true. And the headline is, Trump prepares to wound Iran deal and then save it. So in other words, he's going to try and cut the baby in half, which is a disaster. The President's national security team finds a way for Trump to wound the worst deal ever, as he said during the campaign, without killing it. Donald Trump's national security team has unanimously recommended that he decertify the Iran nuclear deal, but that he stops short of pushing Congress to reimpose sanctions on Tehran that could unravel the agreement. So this is the game. Decertify, but don't get out of the deal. And you had one general and one ex-general testifying before Congress, don't even decertify. You have a Secretary of State, don't decertify. So you should certify, every 90 days, you should certify on October 15th that the Iranians are complying with the deal when they're not. According to Tillerson, Dunford, and Mattis. And according to others who are advising the President of the United States, no, you should decertify, they're in breach, but don't abrogate the deal. Because you see, we're going to fix it. So the very regime that has failed to comply with material elements of the deal in the first place, apparently can be counted on and relied on to comply with changes, fixes to the deal in the future. Now that is absurd. It's even irrational. It's irrational. Does a candidate, Trump, described the agreement as a as catastrophic, the worst deal ever. But this new strategy represents a nuanced approach to one of the most important foreign policy decisions of Israeli presidency. So now, in essence, decertify, but then support. We have one general, one ex-general, one secretary of state, and a president who, in the end, are going to support a policy toward Iran that's not that much different than Obama's policy. That is a disaster. That is a disaster. How come Congress isn't all worked up about this? I know they're all worked up about pump stocks or bump stocks. Why aren't they all worked out about nuclear ICBMs, nuclear intercontinental ballistic missiles that Iran will be capable of shooting into our cities, be capable of shooting into our towns, into our communities? Well, that's one way to get rid of bump stocks, I guess. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Let's go to Claude, Albany, New York, the great WGY. Go.
3: Hi, Mark. Yes, sir. How are you? Okay. Well, listen, we have the most strictest gun control in the country, okay? Our governor put what they call a SAFE Act, all right? and right? I'm listening Capitol, to every word. Go right ahead. The capital has more shootings every day since this SAFE Act was impl- uh, implemented than our Tri-City area here. Okay. Yep. And you're not going to stop it for the simple reason is that you can't control theft and you can't control people that are mentally ill. They might be taking
1: pills today and not tomorrow. And, and you certainly can't limit it when you're undermining the police in your state as your governor does all the time.
3: Obama put the open the door for killing police.
1: I mean... All right. Thanks for your call. Let's see here. Let us go to Jessica in Indiana, Sirius Satellite. How are you?
8: I'm good. How are you? Okay. So I was calling um, because I am actually in favor of looser gun control. Well, actually, I don't want any gun control laws. The Second Amendment should be my gun control. And not to. Well, you live
1: in uh, Indiana, correct?
8: Yes, I do.
1: Does Indiana have gun control laws?
8: Um, not that I'm aware of.
1: I'm sure they have some. Uh, possible. Every state has some. Now, if you believe in the Second Amendment, I'm trying to educate people about this. When you when you throw that around, you need to understand that originally, you understand the Bill of Rights applied only to the federal government, right? Yes, I do. And it was later incorporated to apply to the states by the Supreme Court under the so-called incorporation doctrine. You're aware of that, right?
8: Uh, no.
1: Well, that's what happened. So, theoretically, if you make this argument, uh, the argument is that you oppose the federal government making any and all laws as applies to the Second Amendment. However... States can make any and all laws as they wish, as applies to the Second Amendment, at least theoretically, correct? That is correct. And we don't like that, do we? No, we do not. Particularly people who live in blue states where they get killed by these, well, politically, maybe actually literally, by these ridiculous laws that so thoroughly limit their ability to own weapons. So um I think we need to acknowledge that. <clears throat> and then I think what we ought to say is, and what I say is, that um, these measures that Congress uh, uh, is talking are talking about will have no no relevant consequence whatsoever. Period. They just won't, and there'll be another mass killing. It's it's really horrific. It is. But I ha- I also happen to know that people are imperfect, and there are evil people in this world. Evil people in the Middle East, even p- evil people in south of the border like in Cuba and Venezuela, uh, meaning the uh, leadership there, evil people in Europe, and, of course, evil people in America.
8: And my, you know, what I, I was thinking about was we've got a lot of trained military, a lot of trained individuals who they travel to Las Vegas, and if those individuals, and, and not to minimize the police response, because it was tremendous for what happened in Las Vegas, but it's those people had been on that 32nd floor and were willing to put themselves in harm's way for the sake of their other countrymen, how much faster of a response could we Well, have? why would
1: all those military personnel be on the 32nd floor?
8: It's not necessarily military personnel, but just a trained gun owner.
1: Well, why would they be on the 32nd floor?
8: If they want to be a trained gun owner, I mean... No, no, no,
1: no, the man was shooting down on the crowd from the 32nd floor. If you're a trained gun owner, uh, you're probably not walking around with a uh, with a long rifle. You're probably walking around, if you have a concealed weapon, with a pistol. Sure. And you're not on the 32nd floor. You're in the crowd.
8: No, but I'm saying that there were guests on the 32nd floor. They evacuated the 32nd floor. All right. At least that's the reports that I read. Okay. So well you're
1: right. If there had been a concealed carry person who had a pistol on the thirty second floor, but who would have stopped them? There was no prohibition to begin with that I'm aware of. Well, just how do you know there weren't people who were concealed carry in that hotel?
8: There may have been.
1: Well, they didn't go to the thirty second floor.
8: But they and my point is that if the concealed gun I know has, what
1: your point is. I'm saying If people with concealed carry licenses had known this guy was in room 135 on the 32nd floor, you're saying they would have gone there and killed the guy. And I'm saying, okay, that's fine if they had had that knowledge. But my guess is there were people in that hotel, given that it's Nevada, who were concealed carry license holders, who probably did have weapons. And they weren't on the 32nd floor, and they didn't get to the 32nd floor. All right, thanks for your call. We'll be right back.
0: where Americans meet to defend liberty and defeat tyranny. Call the Mark Levin Show now at 877
1: You want to know why I purchase gold, ladies and gentlemen? There's a lot of reasons. First of all, I like having the physical asset of gold in my possession, where I can access it whenever I want to. Some people buy gold bars, bullion. I buy gold coins, mostly Canadian. Which leads me to the second reason. Why do I do that? Well, if necessary, I can use it as actual money. certainly wouldn't be what I would use to buy groceries with. But come hell or high water, gold is gold. It's not paper money. There's a third reason I buy gold. Because I hold it for the long haul. And so as economies get worse or the debt gets bigger and bigger and bigger or the stock market goes up and up and up, I like to diversify just in case a bubble explodes. You don't think that can happen? It happened in the housing market, it happened in the banking system, and it does happen. And my concern is the next time it happens, it'll be even bigger than before. And so I have gold and I have other investments. You don't have to be rich to diversify your money. But you do need to be smart. You need to be ahead of the curve. Gold has survived financial devastation, wars, currency failures throughout the centuries. It's better to gain peace of mind now than look back and wish you, you know, you took care of things in the first place. Now for a limited time, Goldline is offering price protection for three months on orders as low as $2,500. It's an amazing special from Goldline, 877 coin They're there right now, 877 coin Be sure to read their important risk information to be sure that buying gold is right for you. Again, 877 coin That's 8773652646. It doesn't pay to wait instinctively. You know this is the right thing to do to diversify. It's just a matter of actually doing something about it. Let us go to my my. The original question I started the program with wasn't what solutions do we have, you know, to stop mass murders like this. We spent a lot of last night's program on this. Okay, gun control. Well, what do you want to control and how do you want to control it? And unfortunately, uh, every proposal came up short, which we figured they would. The question is, are there certain things we simply can't control? Man-made things. I'm not talking about nature and phony, you know, climate change and all the rest. I'm talking about man-made disasters. I mean, we can try and protect certain facilities, try and protect, you know, certain groups and organizations and certain individuals, but I'm saying if somebody really wants to do enormous damage, exactly what law would prevent that? That's what we discussed last night. What I'm asking you today is is a bit different. What I'm asking today is aren't there things we just can't control? We just can't control. Maybe on the edges? Maybe maybe we can manage it on the edges but like this nut job sunday night monday morning. Let's go to Ed Long Island the great WABC go.
4: Hey, Ed. hey Mark
1: Yes, sir. Can you uh, speak into the mouthpiece, please?
4: All right. Sorry about that. Uh, let me take you to...
1: Can you hear me now? Hey, yeah. Thanks. Um, thanks for getting me on. It's great to talk to you here.
4: Thank well, you. You're talking about protecting soft targets a little more. And the thought I have, which is going to sound crazy, especially those on the left, but it's actually the opposite. It's relaxing the gun laws. Um, can you imagine if people out there were able to defend themselves, return fire that day? I, it wouldn't have stopped it, but wouldn't it have minimized it, possibly at least pinned the guy down?
1: I don't know. I don't know of many uh, pistols that can, that can shoot with any level of accuracy 500 yards.
4: Uh, ex- I understand that's not going to help in every
1: case. We can't foresee
4: every case. Well, you
1: asked about and, the guy in Las Vegas, and I'm just answering I'm about the guy about, in Las Vegas.
4: Before you were before talking about general soft targets, about tightening up the malls and stuff with everyday life, so that's what I'm talking about.
1: If, if, well, I believe in carry, the conceal and carry laws. If that's what and you're and talking for about.
4: Example too, and just to back that up, also, um, when I might be wrong on this, so please correct me if I'm wrong. But I think when Gabby Gifford was shot, wasn't the shooter stopped by someone that had a had a, a weapon in the crowd? And and if so, if I am right about that, that definitely is an example of how it slowed down what could have been most- I
1: don't remember. maybe it was a security guard, a cop, maybe it was somebody in the crowd. But even but we don't even need to use that example. I, I uh, I'm convinced long ago, just a matter of logic that law-abiding citizens ought to be able to have concealed weapons and in I'm, order to protect so themselves and their fellow and their fellow Americans. Yep, so all I- right, my friend, I appreciate your call. This is important. You want to listen to this, folks, because it will be plastered all over the news late tonight and tomorrow morning, at least in the conservative and pseudo-conservative news. This is from our friends at cnsnews.com who do a tremendous job. Terry Jeffrey, Brent Bozell and the gang. You know this bump stock they've been talking about for the last two days? The bump stock device received ATF green light during the Obama administration. During the Obama administration. About a year and a half into the Barack Obama administration, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives issued an opinion letter giving the go-ahead to an aftermarket accessory that allows the user to pump fire, it's called pump fire, hence pump stock, a semi-automatic rifle. A company called Slidefire had earlier sent its patented replacement shoulder, a shoulder stock, to ATS Firearms Technology Branch asking for An evaluation of the device. The ATF in reply wrote, your letter advises that the stock referenced in this reply as a pump stock is intended to assist persons whose hands have limited mobility to pump fire an AR-15 type rifle. The device replaces the factory stock in grip. The replacement stock moves back and forth with the gun's recoil, allowing it to fire rapidly and continuously as the trigger repeatedly is pumped or bumped, I should say, bumped into the shooter's finger. The switch allows the user to select semi-automatic fire one-shot for each trigger pull or the more rapid bump fire. According to ATF's June 2010 letter, the stock has no automatically functioning mechanical parts or springs and performs no automatic mechanical function when installed. In order to use the advice, the shooter must apply constant forward pressure with the non-shooting hands and constant rear rearward pressure with the shooting hand. Accordingly, we find that the bump stock is a firearm part and is not regulated as a firearm under the Gun Control Act or the Fire the National Firearms Act. And Sidefire posted a copy of the approval letter on its website. So, according to this piece by cnsnews.com, the bump stock device received ATF green light approval during the Obama administration now what do you make of that what does that mean to you well it's more or less it's simply a debating point isn't it more or less it's simply a debating point so over there at MSNBC I'm sure they will start attacking Obama well they won't attack Obama now will they no they're the Praetorian Guard They'll pretend Obama didn't exist when this was approved. That's what they'll do. But I just wanted to point that out. How did this get approved? When did this get approved? We've never heard of anything like this. I mean, goodness gracious, and so forth and so on. Well, now we know, don't we? The Obama administration approved it. I wonder what Michelle Obama thinks. She looks out on the crowd on the one side. She just sees white and gray on the other side. She sees a whole rainbow of colors. That's where she is. Let us go to Frank. Brooklyn, New York, the great WABC. Go.
5: You know, Mark, I was listening to you earlier, and, you know, how you were explaining in detail about the Iran deal that Obama did. And I'm just saying to myself, my goodness, you know, in simpler terms... President Trump right now is at a threshold. He is now where George H.W. Bush was with North Korea back then. And he has a chance now to not let this situation get to where North Korea is now. And it just seems so simple to me to convey that aspect to everyone to realize that this is an important moment, that there's no, you know, left or right or middle ground here. This is exactly...
1: You you know, there's there's two issues here, let me just sum it up, that are really quite concerning. One is DACA, where the president couldn't have been clear about his position on that, and he's folding in a significant way. And the other is the Iran deal. And he's not going to fool anybody by decertifying and then circling back, trying to work out a new deal with the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran, as if they're going to uh, somehow follow a new, uh, a new set of requirements. And to have your head of the Joint Chief of Staff, uh, Chiefs of Staff testifying in front of Congress that there's not a material breach, and your Secretary of Defense, who's essentially backing it up to... And yet he says in the same statement he has, you know, the president hasn't made a decision. I find that appalling. Well, if the president hasn't made a decision, why are you trying to force his hands? I'll tell you why. Because you have this triumvirate now of Tillerson, Mattis, and uh, Dunford, the head of the Joint Chiefs, who obviously communicate, who obviously work together. And that's their position, and that's what they're lobbying for, and that's what they're pressing. So they're trying to tie the president's hands. The president will tell us whether he was... Deceiving us during the campaign or telling the truth, again. And that's with respect to Iran. Iran is a mortal enemy. It is a mortal enemy. the idea that this deal would slow them down or prevent them from getting nukes is preposterous. What happens is if he decertifies and we completely withdraw from this deal? Then we put these heavy-duty sanctions back in place. We lean on our so-called European allies to do exactly the same thing. And the whole panoply of options is left open to us in terms of bringing down that regime and we can bring down that regime without firing a shot. That regime is not strong. The people rose up against it once but the same Barack Obama who armed this this regime and will have armed it with nuclear weapons refused to do anything to support the freedom fighters in Iran sat there for 10 days and didn't even say anything for 10 days while the people were struggling for their liberty. Thank you for your call, Frank. I'll be right back. love, Lovin. You know, I've been waiting to comment on this. It's Wednesday, the Wednesday after the slaughter in Las Vegas. And I've been scouring the news and scouring the news and scouring the news and watching the sheriff's press conferences. And they still don't have a motive. Right, Mr. Producer? They still don't have a motive. I mean, the obvious motive is he wanted to slaughter as many people as he could. I'm not talking about that. In other words, what drove him to this point? I mean it's a little scary not to know but I assume at some point we will you know if you want the absolute best shirts around you have to check out CT shirts I want you to try them because once you do you'll never go back to some random shirt off the self shelf at some department store plus C D shirts come in custom sizes so you're not messing with ill-fitted sleeve lengths or neck sizes it's time to step up your game and look your very best. So I got you a special C T shirts deal. C T shirts are British styled using the softest, most exquisite fabrics ever. Work or casual, tie or no tie, tucked or untucked. When you're wearing a C T shirt, you look great and you feel great. And here's the deal. One C T shirt normally costs a hundred bucks. One for a hundred bucks. But right now, you'll get three shirts. Just $99. That's 60% off. And CT shirts come with free delivery. A six-month quality guarantee and free returns. Listen to that. Free delivery. You don't even have to leave your house. You don't have to leave your business. You don't have to leave your place of work. Free delivery. Six-month quality guarantee. You wear it after four months. They're saying it's still going to be perfect. And free returns. So if you hurry, 99 bucks gets you three amazing CT shirts. I would jump into this right now. Gals, for your significant other, your husband, your boyfriend, whomever, a great gift. Go to ctshirts.com slash Levin. That's ctshirts.com slash L-E-V-I-N to get the three shirts for 99 bucks. That's ctshirts.com slash L-E-V-I-N. All right, let's continue. Boom, 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 boom. David, Tucson, Arizona, the great KNST. Go.
3: Hey, Mark. Yeah, earlier I was listening to, like, Hannity and all that, and they were obsessed with the motivation from why this guy uh, did what he did, Mr. Paddock. And whatever the reasons were, they're horrible. But I was interested in your opinion on in, in places like Israel, India, But people come into hotels, they scan the luggage and check for that kind of stuff. Wouldn't that just have stopped it right there? Well, that might
1: protect you in the hotel. Let me ask you something. Do you think this mass murder, if he knew they were scanning him in the hotel, would have brought over, what was it, over 20 weapons and thousands of rounds of ammunition into the hotel?
5: Uh, If he knew that, he never would have even tried that. He He never
1: would have gone to to the hotel, would he?
3: No, he wouldn't
1: have. So he might have done something else, correct?
3: He might
1: have, but then maybe some law-abiding uh, citizen. I, I, I know, sir, but I'm, I'm playing your game. Fine, you can do that in the hotel. The reason he went up to the hotel, it was because it was a quote-unquote soft space where he could go because he knew they weren't doing that. Once they do that, then he's going to look for a different opportunity in a different way, of which there are hundreds and hundreds of ways for an evil imagination. Whether you drive up with a truck with fertilizer, whether you drive a truck through a crowd... Uh, whether you go into the crowd and you just bring a machine gun or something, and start mowing people down. I mean, there are many, many things. He actually had explosive material and chemicals, at least the early report said, in his car. So would it have prevented him from going to the 32nd floor? I'm sure it would have. Would it have prevented him from slaughtering a lot of people? I doubt it. Right. I doubt it. So All right, brother. I appreciate your call. But if I owned a hotel, I'd do exactly what you're talking about. I really would. To protect my hotel and the patrons in the hotel. Uh, Let's see. Peter, Manhattan, WABC. Quickly, go.
3: How are you, Mark? Uh, Great pleasure to speak with you. I I had an idea, thought, uh, about the gun control issue and the situation with Paddock. You know, if they had technology that that turned guns into, uh, like, smart devices where uh, a a licensed and and legal gun owner would have um, the uh, the gun operating only within the proximity of his home. Let me ask you
1: something. Do you own a gun? Yes. And you just want to use a gun within the proximity of your home?
3: No, uh, I don't, but I think it,
1: it's possible that... And you want the government to determine if you can use the gun in the proximity of your home with some kind of a chip or smart technology?
3: I get your point. Yeah, I appreciate the, the, the education. Uh, no, I have just an idea, and uh, obviously uh, appreciate everything that you...
1: All right, Peter. I appreciate your call, my friend. I really do. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us tonight. We'll be here tomorrow night. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel, and we do it every night, and we mean it. I'll see you right here on the radio tomorrow. See you on Levin TV in two minutes. God bless you.